The rising inequality and growing political instability that we see today are the direct result of decades of bad economic theory. It's time to build our economy from the bottom up and from the middle out, not the top down. Middle out economics is the answer. Because Wall Street didn't build this country, great middle class built this country. The more the middle class thrives, the better the economy is for everyone, even rich people like me. This is Pitchfork Economics with Nick Hanauer, a podcast about how to build the economy from the middle out. Welcome to the show. I don't know if you heard that, Nick, but we've got uh, a new uh, opening to the podcast I know. Uh, this week in the new year. And new cover art as well, if uh, you're looking in your, whatever podcast app you use, Apple or otherwise. Very different. Uh, been, nice big picture of you. I'm disappointed that it, <laughs> it, it isn't with this rebrand, that it's not Pitchfork Economics with, with Goldie. Or maybe there's you with a pitchfork and my my head on top of it. Something like that might have been cool. But I'll, I'll speak uh, what's to the happening art, here, Nick? I'll speak to the art directors about that, Goldie. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, we are going through what they call a rebranding, but really it's not so much a rebranding as just sort of acknowledging the moment, I think, that we're in. You know, we have been at this for a few years. And when we got started, uh, you know, the ideas that we were discussing and the positions that we were taking on economics were much more outside of the mainstream. We started doing this podcast before Joe Biden took office and before really the middle out era. And here we are in it. And I think that that's just, a, it's a very significant phase change in, in how the world is thinking about economics, both policy and more generally economic cause and effect. You know, if you do this, what happens? And you know, we have been regaling our listeners with this idea of middle out economics for a very long time. And I think we can admit that it never occurred to us how far we would come <laughs> in a relatively short amount of time. You know, it certainly never occurred to us that every time the president of the United States would talk about economics, he would talk about growing the economy from the bottom up and the middle out. But, you know, Goldie, it, it, you know, the whole world is shifting in, in terms of its consensus. I, you know, I met with an economist from the uh, London School of Economics last week and, you know, who's got a whole- A notoriously conservative school. Absolutely. Historically. Yeah. Who's got a new department dedicated to this idea of cohesive capitalism, which is a, you know, a, a yet another flavor of- getting, you know, trying to get behind us this sort of neoliberal version, late capitalism version of what has dominated policymaking and culture in the United States for the last 50 years. And so I just think, yeah, we're, we're at a new moment. Right. And and to put this in, in a longer perspective, Nick, I have been working with you for almost a decade now. We started working together right around the time that original Pitchfork piece right. came out in Politico that, that we used to brand this. And when I first came into the office to meet with you. The uh, what you asked me to do was help you with uh, your effort to redefine capitalism. Right. That it wasn't. It wasn't. You know, nothing big. Yeah. Just take. Just take capitalism and redefine it. That's and it right. seemed incredibly ambitious. And and I've always said I. You know, my philosophy in life is 
uh, I'd rather uh, fail big than succeed small. Right. So of course I said yes. Yep. <laughs> and yeah, the progress that has been made over those 10 years, in fact, your work dates back even further. Right. Middle Out was coined in what? Nine, uh, 2010. 2010. Yeah. You and Eric Liu yep. in the in the book uh, Gardens of Democracy. Right. And you know, I'm sure you got quite a bit of eye rolling at the time. Oh, yes. <laughs> but we are definitely in a middle out moment. President Biden has played a big role in changing the narrative in his relentless use of that phrase and talking about when the middle class does well, everybody does well how the economy grows best from the bottom up and the middle out, not the top down. His tearing down of the old trickle-down paradigm, which has supported much of the neoliberal paradigm for the past uh, few decades. And we also see, and you've seen this with some of the conversations we've had on our podcasts recently, uh, that mainstream economists are beginning to shift on this. Absolutely. But a lot of the old neoclassical orthodoxy, you know, eventually it just has run into a wall of empirical evidence, uh, most specifically, uh, and we've talked about this a lot over the years on the minimum wage. You know, you go back to um, that whole idea that when you raise the price of something, people buy less of it, and that applies to employment as much as it does to widget. So if you raise the minimum wage, you're just going to hurt the people you're trying to right. help. And what we have seen again and again in study after study is that not only does raising the minimum wage not kill jobs, and this is a core part of orthodox economic theory, it has to work that way because it's an equilibrium system. We have studies now showing that large minimum wage increases actually increase jobs. Uh, and Absolutely. the larger the increase, the larger the increase in jobs. And that just, you know, at some point, uh, if you're an economist and the theory you're taught and, more importantly, the theory you're teaching uh, runs into objective reality, even an economist is uh, – some economists are, are willing to uh, question themselves about, well, maybe this theory isn't uh, all that accurate. That's right. And, you know, I think it's it probably worth uh, clarifying for folks what the distinction is between – middle out economics, what we think of as middle out economics and Bidenomics. Mm -hmm. So middle out economics to us is a way of understanding economic cause and effect. It's a way of understanding what prosperity is and where it comes from and how you get more of it. And Bidenomics is a policy agenda that reflects that modern understanding of economic cause and effect. And the core economic insight at the heart of middle out economics is that a thriving middle class is the cause of both economic growth and political stability. And that therefore, a policy agenda that seeks to increase the welfare of a place should be directly focused on increasing the welfare of, you know, effectively the median family. That that's the way that we should think about and manage economic policy. And if you do that, you can be quite sure that you will have faster economic progress and a high-functioning democracy. And if you don't do that, right. you will end up in this sort of neoliberal hellscape and Trumpian world that we have managed to find ourselves in in the United States of America right now. To understand that clearly is that th there's a contrast here. We said that Bidenomics is this 
policy agenda and middle out is this uh, economic narrative, you know, try a story that you tell to try to explain the way the economy really works. And this contrasts very neatly with Reaganomics and trickle down. Reaganomics was this policy agenda, this neoliberal policy agenda, which really both parties eventually adopted. Right. Which was tax cuts for the rich, deregulation of the powerful, and basically suppressing the wages of everybody else for the last 50 years. And when we say suppress wages, we sometimes get pushed back. Oh, they're not, they're not trying to suppress wages. No, no, no. Let's be clear. What the Federal Reserve did when they hiked interest rates, their approximate goal was to drive up unemployment. And the reason why they wanted to drive up unemployment was they wanted to decrease the labor demand, to decrease the power of workers to demand higher wages, because they're stuck in a 1970s thinking of economics that says, oh, inflation is a wage price spiral, that when wages go up, prices go up and you get inflation. So we need to slow wage growth to keep inflation low. That's right. That, that is specifically what they tried to do. That's right. I know people are giving the Fed credit today for possibly managing a soft landing. I personally don't think they deserve Total any bullshit. credit whatsoever. Total because bullshit. Because they did not achieve their proximate goal. No. Unemployment never went up. And yet prices so, went uh, down, right? If it, it, anything, yeah. they drove up inflation yes. uh, because housing costs have been high, uh, because interest rates have been high, and Correct. that makes mortgages more expensive, Correct. and that makes housing construction more expensive. Correct. So that has uh, inflated uh, uh, housing costs. But let's be clear, this is a very different, we talk about cause and effect. What trickle down says very, both implicitly and explicitly, is that it is the investment of the wealthy, people like you, Nick, mm -hmm. that is the primary cause of growth. And that the middle class is a consequence. That when we have economic growth, when we get economic growth because people like you invest your money, because you're really smarter than everybody yeah. else, you invest your money, we get economic growth, and that creates jobs because you are a job creator, Nick. Correct. It creates jobs... And that drives up wages and everybody benefits so that the middle class is a consequence of the investment of wealthy job creators, of capital. And middle out says the opposite. No, no, no. The middle class is the cause of growth. A large, vibrant, affluent middle class. That's where growth comes from. And you benefit from that. Right? Everybody benefits. Everybody does well when the middle class does well. Right. It's a reversal of that causal argument, uh, 180 degrees. And I think what we've seen over the past few decades with empirical research is that we're right and they're wrong. And a lot of other folks are coming around to our way of seeing things. Correct. And it's not like you don't want rich people to invest. That's a fine thing. But right. if you have a thriving middle class, you have huge amounts of capital to invest on their behalf too. The source of capital need not be the bank accounts of a few rich people. The source of capital can be the pension funds of tens of millions of middle-class people, right? Like if they he, still had pensions. Exactly, right? Like <laughs> it's just nuts to think that, you know, all investment will stop if the, the richest people are slightly less rich. It, it's just not true. It's nuts. And so Bidenomics, just to continue to draw the distinction, is the policy framework that fits within that middle out 
narrative and way of understanding cause and effect. And it is basically has three pillars, uh, empowering workers to, uh, you know, to raise their incomes and lower their costs so they can be more, more robust participants in the economy, investing in both our personal and national capabilities and infrastructure, right? So we need big investments both in our people and in the stuff that ties us all together, like the roads, bridges, and technology that make the economy go. And finally, promoting competition. And, you know, again, one of the biggest mistakes uh, of the neoliberal era was the idea that if you unconstrained big corporations, that somehow <laughs> magical things would happen and everybody would be richer and better off. It's just absolutely well, not true. That that is pro-competition to remove constraints uh, on uh, uh, giant corporations, that you'll end up with a more competitive market. No. When even Adam Smith will tell you that that's not true. Yeah. That on the contrary, what, hap what happened is that all this power moved from working people to the owners of capital. All of the industries in the country consolidated into effectively these, you know, they're not monopolies, but close to it. And, you know, the thing is, is that when markets are concentrated, then wages for workers fall because companies don't have to compete for workers. Prices for consumers rise because companies don't have to don't have to compete really for consumers anymore either. Uh, and consumer choice and innovation fall because you have fewer market participants. Those three pillars, those three policy pillars, empowering workers, investing in the country and in, in, in our people and promoting competition are uh, the you know first order logical things you want to do if you really want to build the economy from the bottom up and the middle out. And so we are in this moment of dramatic transformation. The accomplishments of the administration thus far have been incredible. There's a crap load more they obviously could do right. if they had a slightly uh, more rational Congress, but a lot of uh, progress has been made. It's a turning point. What we are seeing is it's, you know, the Biden revolution. People have talked about the Reagan revolution in the early 80s, which is what brought on the trickle-down neoliberal era. And what we're seeing is the death of trickle-down uh, as a paradigm and the death of neoliberalism as a, a dominant political philosophy. And uh, a lot of that is being ushered in by Joe Biden very deliberately. And I think he's the most consequential president since Ronald Reagan. Uh, you would agree with that, Nick. He, this could, he could be one of the most consequential presidents in, in American history. Now, it's not a done deal. Right. And so this gets to part of this uh, rebranding. Right. Um, Pitchfork Economics, that name comes from that original piece you wrote, the pitchforks are coming for us plutocrats. Correct. And your argument was there was if we don't do something about rising inequality, there's going to be there's going to be a revolt. There's yes. going to be a rebellion. And that doesn't work out well for anybody. Now, I think part of what we're saying right now is, you know, the pitchforks are kind of here. We're in this they moment are. where it's going to go one way or the other. And uh, both metaphorically yeah. and unfortunately, literally, yes. you can you can see an outcome in which uh, the fascists take over yes. um, by the Trumpists take over. And uh, that is the end of American democracy. And if that happens, that is largely a consequence of the mistakes that were made during the neoliberal era, where we have torn this country apart through rising economic and political inequality, and it is a reaction to it, and nobody will do well from that. The alternative is, 
that in fact we reverse the mistakes of the past 40 years and we build an economy and democracy based on a better understanding of how economics and, well, democracy works. And we're really hopeful. I believe you're hopeful. <laughs> I am. <laughs> well, you, yeah, that, that we're in the moment where this could happen. And a lot of it has to do with this revolution in economics that we are on the precipice of. That's right. A wholesale shift in how we talk about, think about, and govern the economy that President Biden is a part of, but is happening at the academic level too. That you're seeing this revolt from younger economists. You know, people will call it heterodox economics. We have our own name for it. I don't know. Do you want to uh, go into uh, uh, our naming or not, yeah. Nick? Well, I just want to say a little bit to your point, Goldie, that that you know the rebranding of the podcast to a certain extent just rep represents a posture change. When we first started right. doing this, we knew very clearly what we were trying to get people to see was the, what was the enemy. It was much clearer than what we were against. Today, we very much know what we are for. And so the podcast needs to reflect not just attacking what's bad, but encouraging what's good, because we are we are at that moment where there's a lot of good to talk about. Right. And there's so there's a a lot of possibility. It's it's weird. People think of me as everybody who knows me will <laughs> They think of as a cockeyed pessimist. But, you know, we wouldn't be doing this if we didn't think there was a, an opportunity to win and win big. So to be clear, dear listeners, don't have a panic attack. From your side, nothing much is changing. <laughs> we will be in the same place at the same time in the same way. But uh, we just wanted to acknowledge in our materials and in our posture the, the change in circumstance that we find ourselves in from just attacking to in many ways, promoting a new way of thinking about economics. And, and, you know, I, I do think that if we can get through this next election cycle, uh, there's going to be a lot in the United States of America to be incredibly optimistic about because the, it, the legislation that has been passed in the last three years will absolutely positively transform America in some very positive ways over the next five to 10 years. And if we could get another round of that passed in the next four or five years, you know, the right. country will be immeasurably better off in the future. I think that we may be in for the best years uh, of our lives if we can get this right. Uh, or if we don't. <laughs> yeah, it will be really, really <laughs> well. terrible. Well, it, it'll. Uh, you know what, Nick? We should revisit this uh, episode a year from now. That's right. Uh, around around the time yeah. of the next presidential inauguration. That's right. We'll see if we still have a democracy. If it's the best uh, of times or the worst of times. <laughs> right. But in the meanwhile, uh, as a listener, you don't need to do anything differently. Uh, we're still going to give you a new podcast uh, every Tuesday. You'll find it in the same place. If you want to thank us, you know, or thank Nick, because uh, this is a, a Nick-funded production with no advertising. We never throw ads at you, right? Uh, you're not hawking mattresses no. or, uh, or food plants or stuff like that. All we ask from you is uh, leave us a, a positive review, auto-download us, recommend us to your friends, word of mouth. This is all about achieving positive change in the world. And, uh, you know, 
if it wasn't for our listeners, it would just be you and I talking, Nick, and we do that a lot on our own anyway, so why bother with the podcast? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and finally, thank you, listeners. You know, a lot of people listen to this podcast, and we're deeply appreciative. And uh, we hope it's interesting, we hope it's fun, and we hope it's useful. Right. No, no greater privilege in the world than uh, getting to talk and have people listen to you. Yeah, no, for sure. Pitchfork Economics is produced by Civic Ventures. If you like the show, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on Twitter and Facebook at Civic Action and Nick Hanauer. Follow our writing on Medium at Civic Skunkworks and peek behind the podcast scenes on Instagram at Pitchfork Economics. As always, from our team at Civic Ventures, thanks for listening. See you next week.